It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. up on episode number 17 of a shortened edition of Sports Day Plus. We have high school football at 6.45. Before that, though, at 6.15, I'm spending a couple of segments handicapping the weekend of college and sports games with one of the best in the business, Sammy P., a.k.a. Sam Paniatovich of Nesson. And a mere seconds, the national spotlight will be on the Longhorns tomorrow as they host Kansas State. Will Texas be up to the challenge? I am your host, Trey Elling. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Courtesy Wave and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. Texas Longhorns have what I guess you could argue is the third biggest game on the schedule this year. A kickoff that goes tomorrow at 11 a.m., It'll be on Fox. It is Fox's big noon kickoff, even though that's a little bit confusing in the central time zone. But the Texas Longhorns are facing a ranked Kansas State team tomorrow. As both of these teams are tied atop the Big 12 standings with three others at 4-1 and one with Oklahoma, Oklahoma State with Bedlam also happening tomorrow, and Iowa State all atop the conference rankings record-wise. And this is a huge moment for this Texas football team that heading into the season did have Big 12 championship aspirations and perhaps a year away or a year or two away, but it felt like if they played things right, they might find their way into the college football playoff. Now, the latter is not completely dead yet, but the path is much more difficult to get there because there are undefeated teams ahead of you even though you do have one of the best wins of anybody in college football this year, that road win over Alabama in week two. And even though Alabama has improved greatly since then, and we're not as good at that time, winning in Tuscaloosa and doing so by double digits is still a huge deal. And Texas wasn't necessarily on cruise control at that point, but they really built on that game. And seemed to get better week by week by week. Until they got to Dallas and ran into a ranked OU team that a lot of people didn't know what to make of that squad. But to their credit, they were the better team in Dallas that day. And they beat Texas. Who had a bye after that. Then plays Houston. A bad Houston team. The Texas jumps all over early on. But then unfortunately let back into the game. And throughout the course of that contest in the second half... I guess the play itself happened in the third quarter, but ultimately in the fourth quarter, Quinn Ewers has to exit the game with an AC joint injury that has him week to week right now, but still out. And there are some who believe that we may see Quinn Ewers out until the last regular season game or maybe even a Big 12 championship game if Texas makes it back to that point. So, just like we saw with the Texas Rangers over the last month, When one guy goes down, it's up to others to pick up the slack. And the obvious guy to look to with that regard is Malik Murphy, who was about to start his second game here at Texas. First game, obviously, against a ranked opponent. Started last week's game against BYU. It was a mixed bag. He gets a passing grade, though. Two turnovers, one of which was more his fault than the other. 
And then also some some balls where it felt like he was playing with fire. But to his credit, a lot of the questions being asked about him going into the BYU game was, could he take something off of the ball or was it going to be fastball after fastball, which makes it much more difficult for your receivers to catch. He almost took too much after the ball, but there's also a calibration process. But now this Texas team focuses on Kansas State. And it's not just up to Malik Murphy to step up in Quinn Ewer's absence. It's up to plenty of other guys on the offense. You could say the offensive line needs to do a better job of run blocking. Even though Jonathan Brooks is great statistically, the offensive line's cumulative grade leaves a lot to be desired as it pertains to run blocking. And I think that is most evident on the goal line where Texas has attempted to assert its will this year especially in the last, gosh, three games now, and come up empty far too often. And by empty, I mean zero points, being inside the opponent's five. That cannot happen tomorrow. Even if it means not going forward on fourth down and kicking field goals, points are going to be at a premium. For a Kansas State team, which has been the case under Chris Kleiman and even going back to the Bill Snyder era, is a well-disciplined physical bunch. They don't have great depth at certain positions. They are light at certain positions, including the defensive end positions. But they are going to be coached up and ready to go tomorrow. On top of that, Kansas State has been playing really good football over the last couple of games. That turnaround started after an ugly loss to Oklahoma State the Friday before Texas OU I've seen some reports that Will Howard got hurt in that game. I don't know what the injury was, but he was terrible. I mean, he was freshman year Will Howard on that Friday night. I think he threw three interceptions and was wildly inaccurate. And that was also a a sort of coming out game for not just Oklahoma State, who has turned their season around, especially since that loss to South Alabama, but also Ollie Gordon III. He is one of the best running backs in this conference and in this country. How do I know? Well, he leads the country in rushing right now. And he's going to be a handful for OU tomorrow. But that was a wake-up call for Kansas State, and they have been much better since then, especially on offense. And part of that was a spark provided by Chris Kleiman inserting the true freshman, Avery Johnson, into the game. And while you may picture former basketball player Avery Johnson, little guy with a funny voice, it's Avery Johnson... While similarly quick, looks very different. He is a white guy with long hair. But he is electric as a runner and coming along as a passer too. Now, what does that mean for the game tomorrow? Well, thinking back to where teams have been successful against Texas, we've seen teams find success running the option against this Longhorn defense. Kansas did a pretty good job with it with Jason Bean at quarterback, and then strangely went away from that. But you may see a little bit of that tomorrow. But the other thing to take into consideration here is that Avery Johnson coming in, competition begets greatness. And when Avery Johnson started rotating with Will Howard, it woke something up in Will Howard, and he has been much better over the last few weeks too. As a matter of fact, Avery Johnson didn't play nearly as much last week because Will Howard was so good throwing the football. And he's also an underrated runner too. And that's something that has caused Texas big problems at times this year. Just think back to that Oklahoma game. Dylan Gabriel, known as a capable runner, but they didn't put as much respect into him running the football as they did a guy like Jalen Milrow. 
And so Will Howard has those capabilities with his legs. And Colin Klein is his offensive coordinator. And Colin Klein is a guy who, thinking back to his college career, was a dual threat as well. Kansas State has two really good running backs. DJ Giddens and Treshawn Watson. They're not great at receiver, but watch out for their fullback, who I, excuse me, their tight end, who has a fullback's number, and they also have a little slot guy. Gosh, I feel like Kansas State always has a little slot uh, slot guy who's like a jitterbug. Defensively, this Kansas State team is disciplined, but they're not big at certain spots. They're light at defensive ends, they're light at linebackers, but their linebackers are willing gap shooters and tacklers. And if there's a strength to this football team, it may be the secondary. But we've also seen teams gouge Kansas State's defense both through the air and on the ground. As a matter of fact, in each of their losses right now, on one occasion, Missouri threw for more than 300 yards in what was a last-second win for them, kicking that 60-plus yard field goal. In Oklahoma State, as I just discussed, Ollie Gordon went off in that game. And so who needs to pick up the slack for Texas? The offensive line, Jonathan Brooks, the receivers, JT Sanders, the defense, continuing its upward momentum after last week's dominant performance over BYU. It needs to be a cumulative effort here. And I've gone back and forth on this game. Ultimately, I think Texas falls a little bit short. They're just too inexperienced at quarterback, and that ends up being the difference. All right, coming up, we talk about the rest of the weekend in college and pro football with my guy, Sammy P. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. It is a Friday at 6.15, which means it is time for a two-segment conversation with one of the best sports handicappers in the business. He's a friend of mine, a former colleague in Chicago, and now he is handicapping things at Nesson in Boston, also for Fox Sports, and as the host of the Chicken Dinner Podcast, it is Sammy P, a.k.a. Sam Paniatovich. Follow him on Twitter at SPShoot. Sam, thank you as always. How are we doing this week? I appreciate the sentiments per usual with the solid handicapper stuff, but I I feel like we have to talk about your Texas Rangers hit at what, <laughs> 70 to 1? 70 to 1. It was a foolish $100 bet that I made via BK back in March when he was there for March Madness. And I talked myself out of it at first and said, let's just go playoffs. And I said, nah, let's just roll with it. I love Bruce Bochy. I like what this team has done these last couple of off seasons. And ultimately, I'll forget about the 100 when it's all said and done. But here we are. And by total coincidence, I have a trip to Vegas scheduled with my wife here in a couple of weeks. So I actually get to cash this ticket here pretty soon. And uh, I'm excited about it because you don't uh, don't typically think of $100 turning into 7000 some six plus months later. But here we are. What a feeling. Wait till they rip off $700 bills right in front of your face and then slide it across the counter. There's nothing like that. I've never even hit a 70 to one. I've hit multiple twenties. I hit a 30, hit a 50 once, but don't, uh, don't sell yourself short on that 70 to one, man. That's a hell of a hit. Thank you. What is the most that you've made in a single bet? 
I bet a thousand dollars on Ohio State to win the national championship in 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was after Braxton Miller had gotten hurt in the preseason, and then they were going to the freshman JT Barrett. And at that point, the books had Ohio State like eight to one, ten to one when Miller went down. They moved him all the way out to twenty, twenty-five to one. Now I was told that JT Barrett might be an even better quarterback than Braxton Miller. And that was the year they had Zeke Elliott. They had a really good defense. They ran the ball extremely well, of course. They get to the Big Ten title game, and then JT Barrett gets hurt. And I'm thinking, come on. (laughs) Well, then they bring in 12-gauge, Cardale Jones, who's 6'3", 290 million pounds, and he runs over everybody on Alabama in the semifinal, and then they beat Oregon in the national championship. That 1,000 made me 25,000. Oh, um, my. That was a hell of a hit, man. Hell of a hit. So do they start charging tax on sizable winnings at 10000 in Vegas? Yeah, yeah. It's technically $9,999. Okay. $9,999. They technically have to report that, and then it's on you to report it on your end. So out of the twenty five k, how much did you have to give back to them? Oh, probably, probably like a third of it. So I probably, oh I probably cleaned about 17. That is, I mean, that's still a nice haul. Of course, that's a little bit ridiculous too. Let's be honest about it. But that is the, uh, the way of things. If you win too much, they got to take a little bit back, I guess. And there are some good opportunities for, uh, for bets to be placed legally. Of course, with this weekend's college and NFL games, you always send me your slate of money picks, Sam. And this week's money picks include the big matchup here in Austin tomorrow between Texas and Kansas State. It is a big noon kickoff on Fox, even though technically it's 11 o'clock central time. And you're not messing with the line. And last I saw, Texas was about a field goal favorite. But uh, you do like the under in this one, under 50. Why do you like the under 50 with the Longhorns and Wildcats? I think these are two of the most underrated defensive lines in the country, not only the conference, the country. And obviously, you know, and your audience knows how good Texas is up front on D, but I think this is a slugfest. I mean, these lines are going to dictate how the game plays out. The Longhorns are starting the redshirt freshman again, Malik Murphy, and he is far, far from a threat to beat K-State down the field with home run throws. He threw all those screen passes last week, and while they might work against BYU, they won't work against Kansas State. An extremely well-coached team, very good defense in their own right, Um, and I, I feel like this is going to be one of those games where Murphy is going to struggle both of these passing attacks are going to have issues hitting the big plays. And, you know, I close my eyes and I always play this game. What's the final score? My numbers actually had it 24 to 20, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was even lower, like a 24, 17 type final wild to see the, uh, the respect for Kansas state because uh, Texas opened five and a half. And now, as you had mentioned, it's down to like three and a half horns laying the points at home. But I, I feel like this is an under, you know, 70 times out of 100, this game doesn't touch 50. Yeah, I agree with all of that. As a matter of fact, last segment I said Kansas State probably wins it 21-20. to 20. I know some people think that uh, college football week in and week out is a uh, high-scoring affair. That's just not always the case, though. When you're talking about one quarterback in particular with Malik Murphy, who is making his second college start, and it was a very uneven performance for him last week, even if everybody was willing to give him a passing grade, he needs to be better this week, and I don't know how much better he can be from one week to the next 
And it also concerns me that Steve Sarkeesian is way too hard-headed about insisting on throwing the football more than he runs, even when the strength of his offense is running the ball like it is right now with Jonathan Brooks back there. So we'll obviously be keeping an eye on that one. It's actually a really good slate for the Big 12 this weekend, considering how down the conference has been. The other ranked matchup in the Big 12 this weekend is number 9 Oklahoma and number 22 Oklahoma State. Last time for Bedlam, at least for the foreseeable future, the Sooners are six-point favorites right now. Over-under is 61 and a half. Do you like either of those things or anything else about Oklahoma, Oklahoma State? I can't believe this is the last Bedlam game. That sucks because I've been betting on this game for, for almost 20 years now. You know, it's it's such a fun atmosphere no matter where it's at, whether it's in Norman or in Stillwater. Um I didn't, I didn't bet this game, but I do lean to the home dog. You know, it's funny, Trey, when, when these lines open up just under seven, it's very telling to me because seven in college football to me is the most key number. You know, it's the mm-hmm. most common landing number. It's the most important spread. So when the books open up Oklahoma minus six, you have to understand that that's built in respect for the dog, right? They didn't open at seven and a half. They didn't open at eight. They opened at six, which is just under seven, and it's so easy to look at that and go, oh, well, you know, Oklahoma's only got to win by seven. But Oklahoma's defense is nothing special. And I think we all understand that the Sooners are overrated on that side of the ball. We finally saw them exposed uh, in the loss column last week when Kansas lit them up and down the field for a whole lot of points. I think Oklahoma State can move the ball. You know, this is a game that's going to have a lot of points total 62 right now so clearly we expect some fireworks Gundy's boys are are moving the ball and I I think you know the inability for Oklahoma to get off the field on third down will come back to bite them Oklahoma State is a sneaky four and one though you know for all this talk about Texas and Oklahoma and Iowa State Oklahoma State is four and one in the conference I mean they are as alive as anybody to play in the championship game in the big 12 I think it's a close one I'm not going to call upset but I am definitely not laying six with Oklahoma on the road. Going to lump the two ranked matchups in the SEC together. Number 12, Missouri at number two, Georgia. That's a 15 and a half point line for the dogs. And then you also have number 14, LSU at number eight, Alabama. Bama, field goal favorites over under 61 and a half. If you were to take a bet from either of these games, what would it be? And I mean, I guess LSU has a better chance of pulling off the upset. I'm just shocked that Missouri is where they are right now because as down as this conference has been, Missouri, I guess, is one of the pleasant surprises so far. This Alabama total is is so high, right? I mean, we rarely see Nick Saban games lined in the low 60s, but that's a testament to two things. Number one, LSU has an NFL quarterback. You know, Daniels will be playing on Sunday very, very soon, but also LSU can't stop anybody. So Jalen Milrow is going to have the ability to hit these home run throws down the field. We know that he can hit that deep ball. We've seen it a lot this season. We saw it against Texas A&M. This total opened at 60. Now it's 61, 61 and a half. Bama's only a three-point favorite at home. We're going to get points here, though, Trey. I mean, this is not your older brother's Alabama. This is a team that's not going to hold anybody under 20, 24, especially when they have you know, an NFL quarterback in Daniel. So, I think it's just easy to just look at this, these two teams and think that we get a game that's 34 to 30 or 38 to 34. Um, everything I line up with is over on LSU Alabama. All right. And amongst your other 
college money picks. You have Clemson, who are three-point dogs right now, to number 15 Notre Dame. You like Clemson in this game. I'm seeing a lot of people hammer Notre Dame in this one. Is this simply a matter of uh, zigging when everybody else is zagging, or is there something you actually like about this Tigers program, even though they sit at 4-4 four and four right now? There is a lot of contrarianism in this play, no doubt. I'm not going to ignore that, but the Irish... Yeah, you look a little bit deeper inside their losses. Three of the losses, Trey, are by one score, and two of those came in overtime. So when you look at what Notre Dame wants to do, it's open up the game via the run. Run the ball so you can pass the ball. Well, guess what? Clemson has three guys on the D-line that are going to play in the NFL. Clemson is tough in the trenches, and it's not going to be easy for Notre Dame to power football its way to a win. If we get Clemson's A game here, and they haven't played a lot this year, They're going to handle business. I think this game should be a coin flip. I think it's probably a pick in my numbers. But the fact that Notre Dame is sexy, everybody thinks that Notre Dame is good enough to do this and do that, I think they're okay. And I think Clemson is is very live here. Uh, It's a three-point dog at home. It's never easy to go into Death Valley. That place is going to be up for grabs. And I will give Dabo the benefit of the doubt here. I'm not a big fan of them big picture. I think there are a lot of things in that program that they have to figure out going forward, including getting some transfers in there for once. But this is a very, very public against square or public against uh, sharp guy's side. The sharps are on Clemson here, and I agree with them at plus three. He is Sam Paniadovich, a.k.a. Sammy P. He handicaps games for Nesson in Boston as well as Fox Sports. And he's the host of the Chicken Dinner Podcast. Follow him on Twitter at SP Shoot and hear him on this show for a couple of segments every Friday during the football season. Coming up, we do have one more money pick on the college side for Sam. That would be Washington, USC. Plus, we will take a look at the NFL slate. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Back with one more segment with my friend Sammy P, a.k.a. Sam Paniadovich. He handicaps games for Nesson in Boston, Fox Sports, and he is the host of the Chicken Dinner Podcast. Follow him on Twitter at SPShoot. A reminder that once this segment is over with, we are taking you to high school football pregame. So stay tuned for that at 645 All right, Sam, we have one more money pick from you on the college side before we get to NFL games. That would be Washington at USC. USC's season is falling apart before our eyes, in large part because, well, the defense is trash. Washington, they've struggled a little bit since that big win over Oregon a few weeks ago, but this still has the potential to be one of the most high-powered offenses in the country. So I guess it shouldn't be that big of a surprise that you we are seeing you hammer the over 76.5 in this game. Just look at USC's defense. I mean, the last five games, they gave up 41 to Colorado, 41 to Arizona, 48 to Notre Dame, 32 to a Utah team that can't score, and then 49 to California. So what's Michael Penix going to do? I mean, I, I look at this total, and I, I laugh at how high it is. It's 76 and a half. Some books in Vegas are at 77, 77 and a half, but that might not be high enough, Trey. And I know there's a lot of fear for betters to jump over these high totals because it's a lot of points. But when you think about it, you have two quarterbacks that are probably going to be in the NFL next year. I mean, we know Caleb Williams, Michael first overall. I think Penix is at least a second round pick, if not better. 
these passing attacks are awesome. These defenses are bad. Secondaries, nothing special. And the pace that they play with, not only do they play fast, you have quick possessions, you have home run threats. I mean, you have Rice's kid at receiver for USC. You got two guys at Washington that are going to be NFL receivers. You have so much offensive synergy on both sides of the ball, and you have two defenses that can't get off the field. I know it's high, but I had a bookie tell me a long time ago, there's a reason that USC Washington is 77, and there's a reason that Iowa and Northwestern is 30, right? I mean, there's a reason that one of those is really high and one of those is really low, and I am not afraid to go over a very high total. I mean, this, this could easily be, you know, 44 to 40, you know, 45 to 41, something like that, something very, very high. Um, and I am, I am not afraid to go over that number. Yeah, sports is great for a lot of reason, including the ability for trends to change themselves. But for trends to change themselves, the one constant throughout a trend has to change. And there is nothing that suggests USC's defense is going to be anything but dog crap the rest of the year. Even though Washington hasn't been gangbusters on offense, you know they have that in them. And considering what you just talked about with some pretty pedestrian offenses scoring that many points against USC, this feels like a pretty good week for uh, for Washington to flex those offensive muscles once again. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very hard for a sports book to line these totals accurately. Obviously, you're not going to make it 80 or 83. But I, I, I think that that wiggle room from, you know, 74 to 78 is it's, it's pretty hard. And, you know, I would argue when you get that high, those points and two points don't really matter that much. I mean, we're talking about a game that is going to see much more sevens than threes. And those sevens add up in a hurry. It's only 11 touchdowns. You play four quarters. These teams are each going to have, you know, 10 possessions. I think we get there. All right, moving on now to the NFL. Of course, we had the game last night between the Titans and Steelers. Steelers continue to win football games despite the fact that they are terrible on offense. Got an out, uh, had less yardage than their opponent all season long, all eight games. Yet here they are at a uh, a five and three record right now. That's not of our concern though. We're concerned about the games on Sunday, and it begins bright and early at eight thirty Central Time in Germany. One of the two biggest games of the week, and it's a shame that the NFL decided to uh, make it international. Dolphins at Chiefs, Kansas City a one-and-a-half-point favorite, over-under is 50-and-a-half. Uh, you can comment on either of those things if you want to, but I also wanted to ask this because I think that betting on Thursday night games is a waste of time. There is so much up in the air with regards to how recovered guys are from the previous week that I just don't trust the game one way or the other. And I kind of feel the same way about these international games too. Are are the international games, are you typically putting much on them? And again, is there something you like about Chiefs-Dolphins one way or the other? I rarely bet these games overseas, and I, I actually took this in a different direction with all my stuff this week. I, I think this is the time to pick one of these two teams to bet them to win the Super Bowl. Huh. And what I mean by that is this is a, a breaking point for both Kansas City and for Miami. If you look at the future market right now, the Chiefs were 4-1 to one to win the Super Bowl last week. Well, they lost to Denver. Now you can get 5-1. to one which might not sound like a big hike to you, but from four to one to five to one is, is pretty substantial. On the other side, you've got the Miami Dolphins right now. You can bet them at nine to one to win the Super Bowl. So my advice in this game is simple. If you like Kansas City to win, 
Bet them to win the Super Bowl at five to one. They win this game, and if they win it big, they're going back to four to one, four and a quarter. If you like Miami to win this game, take a peek at them at nine to one to win the Super Bowl. Because if Miami comes out and deals Kansas City another loss, and Tua outplays Mahomes, and Tyree Kill has two hundred yards, that nine to one on Miami, poof, it's gone. They're down to seven to one or seven and a quarter. So. I think this is a coin flip game, but I think you would be rewarded if you take who you like in this game and put that team in your portfolio to win the Super Bowl. Like I have San Francisco uh, before the year at 7-1. I bet a little Kansas City right here at 5-1 to because if they win, that number is going to go down. So I am, I am looking at this as a total barometer game, but certainly the future markets will be shifting quickly uh, whoever wins. KC will go down if they win, and if Miami wins, they're going to go way down in Las Vegas. Seahawks and Ravens is another matchup with teams that have winning records right now. Seahawks 5-2, and two, Ravens 6-2. and two. Baltimore is six-point favorites at home this week. Seems like Seattle's magic is going to run out at some point, but then again, it's uh, become a pretty bad idea over time to doubt a Pete Carroll coach team. Do you like Baltimore with the six or Seattle perhaps or something about the 44.5 over-under? Baltimore's defense is just incredible right now. And you also combine that with the fact that Lamar Jackson looks like MVP Lamar Jackson. Todd Monken has done an outstanding job, their new offensive coordinator, at putting Lamar in situations where he can succeed. And that starts with him passing the ball more you know, they're, they're keeping him in the pocket more than he's been in his entire career, and it is paying dividends. But this defense, in terms of EPA per play, expected points added, the only defense that's better is Cleveland right now. So Cleveland is one, Baltimore is two, Dallas is three in terms of EPA. And I know people are like, what the hell is EPA? Well, it's a very advanced metric that measures expected points added per play, and that's a very good pecking order. Cleveland, Baltimore, Dallas. I like Seattle, but I think Seattle's kind of phony. You know, they let P.J. Walker and Kareem Hunt hang around last week with Cleveland, got lucky to escape with a win there at home in Seattle. I think there's a, a big correction coming for Seattle. They're in first place right now, but I don't think they're a first-place team. And this line is telling. Why is it six? You know, why isn't it three? Why isn't it four? Because the betting market understands that Baltimore is a much better team. And Baltimore at home – should be able to win this game by a touchdown if they take care of the football. All right, so your two money picks this week include a game that, I'm going to be honest, I don't understand where you're coming from here. Normally I can see (laughs) why you're betting what you're betting, but with Bears-Saints, Chicago at New Orleans, I don't get why you are a fan of uh, placing your funds on the Bears as eight-and-a-half-point dogs right now. So please help me understand this. Derek Carr is one of the worst quarterbacks of all time when he's the betting favorite. <laughs> oh. Let me give you a quick number. Derek Carr is a favorite in his career, 17-34-2 against the spread. That is 33%. Wow. That will not cut it, and I have made a lot of money over the years against him. And you really think about New Orleans' offense, only averaging 21 points per game. I mean, this is not Drew Brees and Reggie Bush and – Marcus Colston. You know, this is a a very, very weak offense. Now, look, Chicago sucks. Uh, I understand that. But, Trey, two things. One, we all just watched the Bears get pounded on Sunday night. Two, this line opened at five and a half in Vegas. Hmm. 
Hmm. So New Orleans was a five and a half point favorite. Now it's moved through the seven. Now it's eight and a half, and people are still willing to bet against Chicago. I, I, I'm not a Bears fan by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> I stopped rooting for that team when I had to cover Jay Cutler. But I will take the right number. And taking eight and a half against a team that can't score seems like a good bet. And I repeat, Derek Carr is 17-34-2 against the spread as a favorite. This guy's putting you under a bridge if you bet on him. Okay, that rationalization makes a lot of sense. Boy, it was hilarious because you and I were both in Chicago covering the Bears at that time to watch Bears fans have to rationalize Jay Cutler and paying him more than any other quarterback in the NFL. Highest paid player in the league, I believe, one year. Well, he also led the inter- the league in interceptions and also led the league in the mopiest, saddest, least leadership-like reactions on the planet, too, during that time. He always looked like he was ready to just pull out a cigarette and light it up on the bench. Smoking Jay Cutler is a thing for a reason. All right, real quick, Sam, about 30 seconds. Cowboys-Eagles, you like the Cowboys as three-point dogs right now. I haven't seen this one a ton, but what do you like about Dallas in this game? Don't think Jalen Hurts is healthy. Clearly, he hasn't played all that well this year. We, we saw some shoulder stuff with him earlier in the season. Eight interceptions, and their red zone defense, or their red zone offense, excuse me, really bad. Last year, they converted touchdowns on 70% of their trips in the red zone. This year, it's only 50, and I love this matchup. Parsons against Jalen Hurts. The Cowboys are very live here at three, and I think they pulled the upset. He is Sammy P. of Nesson. Check him out on Twitter at SP Shoot. Check out his podcast, the Chicken Dinner Podcast, and hear him on this show during football season every Friday starting at 6.15. Sam, thank you as always for the time, my friend. You got it, Trey. Talk to you next week. And that is it for a Friday edition of Sports Day Plus. Coming up, it's high school football pregame. We'll be back next week, 6 to 7 p.m. In the meantime, have yourselves a great weekend and hook them. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellen.